Welcome to episode 38 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50, and your host for today's show. Today I'm speaking with a woman from Texas who works several jobs before pursuing her writing dreams and teaching other people how to write their own books. Brenda Hare knew decades ago that she wanted to be a writer, but that was back in the day when people had to convince publishers to give them a chance to share their wisdom or story with the rest of the world. When a traditional publisher brazenly told Brenda that she was a nobody, it hurt, but it did not dissuade her from pursuing her dream. Instead, Brenda spent 15 years learning how to publish her own writing. Through the process of learning the ropes, Brenda became the president of the company that first published her book. A short time later, she started her own company to help publish other people's books, whether fiction or nonfiction. Brenda's approach is that self-publishing opens the door for anyone to share or produce a book. However, there remains a right way to do so in order for self-published authors to ensure their books can stand next to any traditionally published books in a bookstore without readers noticing a difference. To tell us how she's changing lives by helping other people share their wisdom and experiences, please welcome writer, author, publisher, coach, and speaker, Brenda Hare, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Brenda. I really appreciate your time. Tell me a little bit about where you are. Sure. I'm in Texas. I live in about an hour and a half east of Dallas, outside of a small town called Tyler, Texas. That's most people are familiar with it because it's the rose capital of the world. And it's, it is a small town. We moved here. I'm originally from San Antonio. We moved here about 15 years ago and have been here ever since. So you are a lifelong Texan. I am. Do you get a I special am. license plate for that? They should. I've only lived out of Texas actually for six weeks, and that was when I was in the Air Force. I lived in Biloxi, Mississippi for six weeks. Other than that, I've lived in Texas my entire life. And I was stationed here, went to basic here and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Lifelong well, Texan. And what kind of career have you followed? I started out in the military. And funny story, I went to sign up for college and I stood in the wrong line for an hour and a half. And when I got up to the window and they told me I was in the wrong line, I said, this is not for me. And so I went into the Air Force instead. I um, actually signed up with a girlfriend who bailed out at the last minute and didn't go. So I started off um, a career in the Air Force. When I became a single mom shortly after that, I said, okay, this Air Force thing is not really for me. Um, I didn't like driving a forklift. That was my exciting job in the Air Force. So I, I went into the hospitality industry, worked for the hotel industry for about five years. That was probably some of the best times of my life. I loved working in the hospitality industry. I worked in sales and marketing for uh, Marriott, other big chain hotels had a blast doing that. From there, went into direct sales and worked in Mary Kay for about four and a half years as well. Earned the car, did the things. But in Texas, it's a little hot for me to drive across town to drive off, drop off one lipstick. And at the time, I didn't uh, have a heart for it the way I, I probably would now, a ministry heart for it. I didn't understand that side of it. So I thought, this is not for me. And went into ministry and worked in ministry for um, a mega church in, in San Antonio. And then when we moved up here and outside of Tyler, went into college ministry. And then God led me to writing. So here I am, an author, speaker, coach, <laughs> writing books, teaching how to write books. So did you start writing after you turned 50? No, actually, I felt called to write in 2003. So I would have been 30. Okay. Um, and then, mm -hmm. 
and struggled for 15 years to figure it out. And I was told I was a nobody by a traditional publisher back in the day when there was no social media platforms to put yourself out on. And so I had to figure it out and I enjoyed the process of figuring it out so much so that I became president of the company that first originally helped me publish my first book and then subsequently left that company to start my own company, helping people publish their work. So self-publishing certainly has changed the entire publishing industry. I mean, it allows everybody to share their story. Yes. The good, the bad and the ugly of that, though, right? Because right. as self-published authors, we know that sometimes other people self-publishing unprofessionally can actually hurt us. So we like to coach people to professionally publish their books so that they can stand next to any traditionally published book on the bookshelf and we would know the difference. That's right. But it also means that there's no excuse for seasoned citizens to not share their stories and the lessons Absolutely. that they've learned over the years. Absolutely. An, even a nobody can develop a platform as absolutely both of us absolutely. And, and my first book was actually my muse for my first book was my seasoned citizen of my life if you will who would have turned 100 yesterday it was my grandmother i went back to college after when i was in that struggling phase and sent some newspaper articles home to her i wrote for the college paper and she i guess like what she read and she had asked me to write about all the good in her life and i was like oh, okay, yes, I will do this. And we've got to figure this out. And she had already written some stuff down and handed me a notebook and said, I'm ready. And I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out. So that was my first book, Save the Butter Tubs. Um, I tell her stories of always knowing her worth and me discovering mine in the process of telling hers. So it was a seasoned citizen, if you will, that pushed me over the edge. Prompted you to do that. Wonderful. So what have you been pursuing after you turned 50 that's really invigorated you and given your life a sense of purpose? Sure. I just turned 50 this year, so I'm a new seasoned girl. Welcome <laughs> to the club. Thank you. And it's funny, I knew 50 was going to be a big thing. People make a big thing out of it. And so prior to turning 50, I wanted to do something big for my birthday. And I had followed this woman who she does that kind of, she challenges herself all the time on her birthdays and does big things like skydiving or these kind of things. And so I'd been praying about it and just, what am I going to do? I want to do something big. I want to you know, come out with a bang, if you will, for 50. And last October, God got me in my tracks and basically said, I want you to learn how to prophetically dance. And I, my cousin had done this. And so I was like, Okay. And he said it was just between the two of us. And so I figured it out and I actually documented it diary style. And that's this book. It's called A Move Soul. Okay. What is prophetic dance? Dancing I've never with heard flags. Of... Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's interpreting dance. It's interpreting music, basically, just the same way somebody would um, speak prophetically to you. It's the same, but you're interpreting music so people can understand it for the glory of God. And I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where to get flags. I didn't know. The different types of, apparently there's all these different types of songs and it's a whole thing. So I learned very quickly, but I said, okay, God, I'm in. This is okay. And then he wanted me to dance on my birthday at my birthday party. We we're having a joint party. My mom turned 70 and I turned 50. And so. You were born on your mom's thought, well, birthday? We were actually, hers is January the 8th and mine's okay. the 26th. Okay. So we, we usually share birthdays. She lives about five hours from me. So we usually have a joint party in January. And so I said, okay, God, this is just awkward. I can't just show up at my birthday and be like, hey, everybody, I'm going to dance for you. That's just weird. And he said, it's not that at all. It's worship. And you're just leading people into worship. And 
once he really taught me what it was and showed me what to do, and I did. I danced on my birthday, and I think I shocked everybody in the room. <laughs> my sister was very upset with me because I kept a secret, because I did. I, my husband didn't know. No one knew, which was really hard to do, practicing and all of that in the short period of time from October 10th to January. I was, the party was on the 7th, I think. So it was pretty um, tight turnaround to figure it all out, but God's good. And so it worked and it's, I've been able to perform or dance a few times since opening different speaking events. It's been really good how God's used it. That's interesting. I've never interviewed a prophetic dancer before. That's (laughs) cool. Yeah. And so you just, uh, an interesting way to express yourself in a form of worship. Absolutely. Okay. Super. And does this, do you do this at your church every week or regularly? No, unfortunately, it's interesting. Some churches are very open to the idea and some are not. And I attend a church in, we're in the Bible Belt here in East Texas and they do it just yet. There's, I think one or two churches maybe in town that are, but the church I attend isn't. And so I'm okay with that. I, I, they let me use their stage to, to record videos and do things like that. So I'm okay with it. God open the doors where he sees fit. And he has certainly done that so far for these speaking engagements and different things. It's, if I hadn't written the book, Greg, I wouldn't believe it myself. <laughs> to be honest, I just wouldn't. Okay. It was totally unexpected. Dance has been a part of my life my whole life, but I hadn't danced in quite a few years. And so I was very shocked that God brought it full circle. And there I was. That's interesting. And you're still writing books and helping others to publish theirs? Absolutely. Yes. I'm actively writing. In fact, this is NaNoWriMo. For those of you who are fiction writers, I'm attempting my first fiction book. But yes, I'm writing Christian nonfiction. I write a series of Christian nonfiction books. And then I write author reference books, business reference books. And now I'm tackling a Christian fiction book and a middle grade fiction book for my grandson. Wow. Multiple genres. That's cool. And that that would be a good mix to keep you interested in a lot of different things. Do you do ghostwriting for people too? I have in the past. I don't openly do that just because I know the projects that I'm currently working on don't allow me much space. I do have one author that when she's ready, I will ghostwrite her work. But other than that, I'm not currently taking on any clients for that. Okay. You've got enough ideas on your own to keep you busy. Yeah, I actually okay. have a back, a to-be list, I call it, of over 80 books that have titles and outlines and, yeah, wow. I got a lot of writing. What kind of changes did all of this take or require for you to pursue this kind of a career? For me, it was really submitting because they say writing is a solitary thing and people will, they romanticize it. And... While that is true, it's also very much of a submission process. You have to sit down. You have to be disciplined to do it. For me, sharing some of the, in my books, the personal stories or the, the things that I've been through, it's really a, a submission. I just had to say, okay, God, if this is what you're calling me to do, I will actually do it. I share in Save the Butter Tubs about my fear, all the things I was doing to creatively avoid writing. And because I just, after being shut down and rejected, thought, this is, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough to do this. and God stopped me in my tracks. Um, I came down with Lyme disease unexpectedly. I wasn't out hiking in the woods. I uh, went to San Antonio for spring break and visited my parents who happened to be in two separate hospitals. My dad was getting knee replacement surgery. My mom had just recovered from a major surgery in a different hospital. And 
went down to see him for spring break, came home, woke up the next morning and had a bug bite on my leg and didn't, just thought it was a bug bite. And then over the eye that you see with Lyme disease, I didn't know anything about it. And I just posted on social media and said, hey, got this burning ring of fire. It's not really burning, but anybody know what it is? And my friend said, you need to go to the hospital right away. And I was like, what? And she said, I think you have Lyme disease. And I was like, what is that? And <laughs> sure enough, by that Sunday night, I would, my whole world was literally spinning. I couldn't even sit up straight. And so I went to the hospital the next day. I was in bed for about 30 days. I was going back to school. I was thinking I was going to become a professor of communication because I wanted a safe career because writing is not a safe career. <laughs> and so I thought, I'm going to go get this safe job that has benefits and 401k and retirement and summers off and all this. And God said, no, you're not. And so during that 30 days in bed, I just wrestled with him over and over. I kept saying, God, I'll do anything if you'll just get me out of this bed. And he said, I've already told you what to do. I've told you to write. And until you do that, I'm not getting you out of the bed. <laughs> and so I finally caved in. And at first I thought, I'll go back to school and finish. Because I was a good student. I enjoy school. I enjoy learning. And I thought, I'll just go back next semester. And he was like, no, you're not listening. Like, you do not need a backup plan. This is the plan I have for your life. So I... For me, it's submission. It's, okay, God, this is the plan you have. I don't understand it. I don't understand all these books and where they come from. I can't write fast enough. Sometimes I'm like, slow down. You have way too much confidence in <laughs> So this is where I am. So you have 80 titles of books that you're imagining that you'll write someday. Absolutely. How do you come up with those? They just come at different times. A lot of times during worship, something will just come to my mind and I'll stop and write it down. And then what really cool thing happened last year was I had been collecting these titles for a while and I didn't really, I just thought these are cool titles. And yeah, I have some ideas to go with that. And last year, God laid it all out for me and very clearly. So this series, it was my first book, first series, it's called The Worth Saving Series. In this series, I have three books. I have the, the memoir, on the wall behind you see the book Worthy. That's the Bible study. And then they're, they're the journal next to it, the Create Your Victory Channel journal. So three books in that series, they'll actually end up being five. There'll be a case study and I can't remember the fifth one all of a sudden, okay. but there'll be five in each um, series. And there's nine series total. And then while I'm writing this fiction book, he said, maybe there's actually 10. So in this, when I reprinted it, I actually listed off the five different, excuse me, the nine theories that are coming. There would be the word saving, the word having, all the different ones. So that's a lot of the books are the book, the Bible study, the journal, the book, Bible study, journal. So this one, I Move Soul, will have a Bible study and a journal, and they're already named. He's lined up all those names that I've been collecting. Okay. Oh, this goes here, this one goes here, this one goes here. So it didn't even, in fact, in the fiction stuff that I'm working on. I had two names for a long time. I've had these titles and they weren't lining up anywhere. And I thought that's weird. All these other things line up so perfectly. And when I was diving into this fiction and really researching fiction, because Craig, I haven't read, but two fiction books my whole life by choice, two, that's it. I'm not a fiction reader. And so I really had to start researching to, to write fiction because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And so I really started researching. And then all of a sudden, those two titles that were stuck out there, he's like, that's the books. Those are, that's them. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was writing one fiction book. Now you can't be writing two. Actually, he's got four. But yeah, we'll see. 
How much time do you spend every day writing them? Oh, not as much as I should. Okay. (laughs) Not as much as I should. About two to four hours um, a day. On a good day, it's four. And then I do have something that I think actually we chatted about on Facebook Messenger was what I call a staycation, Mm -hmm. where I focus and sit down for, uh, usually it's an accountability session. So I sit down, whoever's on the session, we chat about what we're working on that day. Then we go away, we write for two hours straight, we come back for half an hour, discuss it. How did it go? Where, what progress did we make? What's, were there any hiccups? What were they? That kind of thing. And then we come back and write for two additional hours and then wrap up with another kind of wrap-up session. And then if I'm still in the mindset, I keep going and write for another two hours after that. So is this Those a, are the good days. Is this a group thing that you're doing with people that you know or that are these clients of yours that you are clients. walking them through? Okay. So this yeah, would be ideal for somebody who has an idea, but lacks the motivation to get started or really doesn't know where to begin in writing. They could join this kind of a staycation thing. All of the above. Okay. Yeah, all of the above. The main client that I'm working with now on it, she's written a book published before, but it's just the accountability and getting past the hurdles, right? Because she's collecting different blogs and things that she's done over the years and trying to put it together in a book. So helping her framework that out and... Where, what does she work on next? What does she work on for the two hours? Is she still gathering? Is she sitting writing? Is she going back and um, doing some creative you know, uh, content editing? Just getting people in to focus is what we're really wor- working on. So whether they re- this is their very first book ever or they're writing their sixth, seventh, eighth book and they just want the accountability and the focus time and somebody to bounce the ideas off of and to bounce the hiccups, right? Because you'll sit down and write and you'll go, I really got stuck on this character's job description, or I really got stuck. This part was too emotional for me. I couldn't write it if they're writing self, self-help or memoir type books. So getting them past that, sometimes it takes a team. Is it's this, not so solid. Period. Do people join your organization and do like long-term memberships, or is this just to come on for a couple of hours to do a couple of meetings and then move on to something else? Yeah, so I have a membership program. It's called the Author Business Network. And that is a, a month-to-month or yearly subscription model. That is helping people write, publish, market, and build their author business based on what they want to build their business around. So with that, it is more a group coaching model and content. So they're getting all the content in our content library, and then we come on a, a twice a month and do group coaching. The staycations are more, this is something new I'm doing, and it's more of a, a one-off, or they can purchase a three months at a time. And so it's nice for people who want to come in and purchase just one time and try it out. And if they love it and got benefit from it, they'll come back and um, purchase three months after that. And I know you had mentioned that you didn't have a book that you were working on, but you had something else that you were working on. And I had shared that with my sister and she said, that's a great idea. You should do that. And I'm like, yes, but (laughs) so it it would be beneficial because it really is. How much did you get accomplished on your project in the two hour time period, whatever the that is. And because I'm a natural integrator, that's my grace given gift, if you will. I probably could help you through the process of whatever it is you're working on. I help people build out workshops, courses, all those things. So it just what the project is somebody could potentially join who's not a writer, but they're working on something else as well. Very good. I like the idea of having that accountability. So many people who are over 50 have these ideas. They want to write a book. They've always wanted to write a book. There's been something that's been put on their heart that they want to share. It might be a struggle that they had or 
a life journey that they've gone through all these different paths to arrive at a good destination. And they want to write a book, but they don't know how. And they like that motivation to get started. So connecting with you can be the spark to get them started. And then you're nurturing them along the path or gently pushing them on this path of what to do and then following up with an accountability later, depending upon the kind of services that you provide, whether it's with the Author Business Network or these staycations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then what I love about it, Greg, is that I am doing it myself. I'm going, I'm in the trenches with them. I'm writing with them. I'm actively doing it with them. As the industry changes so quickly, it's hard for people, if you're not actively in it, to keep up with all the changes. And because I'm actively in it, publishing at least once every six months, I'm keeping up with what the changes are, what's going on, all of those things. So the minute little changes can really mess you up if you're not aware of them. Exactly. I've written a number of books and each time that I go to publish one, something else has changed. So it is nice to have that resource available to be able to fall back on somebody who knows what they're doing and can guide you through those steps. Yep. Super. So would you work with a new author? Oh, absolutely. That's what you do all the time, right? That's what I do. Yes. In fact, our Author Business Network, I'm trying to think I have, it's a good mix. We have a couple authors that have published, but we have the majority of the authors in there have never published. We have Everything from memoir to someone writing curriculum to a poet we have in there as well, which is really fun for me. I am that's what I how I started writing back when I was about twelve years old. I started with poetry, so that was cool to have a poet come along and uh, able to work with her. What's your favorite book that you've written? Oh, that's a hard one. That's like asking which kid is your favorite. <laughs> it is. I just like my kids. I will say the first one mm-hmm. always holds a special place in your heart. It's the one that made me an author, right? My son is the one who made me a a mother. So they always hold us. Okay. This one for sure is that book for me. But this last one, A Moose Soul, I think it's the, my favorite because when I read it, it's like I'm reading somebody else's book because I'm like, I cannot believe you did this, God. Like it's, it's like an outer body experience to read it back. Okay. And you got a new workbook about to come out. Absolutely, yes. And what is that author? This one is um, the writing, or excuse me, the book writing process. And it's the second in a series. So the first in it is I've been told I should write a book. And this is the author solution series. So we, that was the question we get the most, right? People would say, I've been told I should write a book. And then they would lead with their question. So we tried to answer as many of those questions as we could in this book. And then we provided a so that you could actually work through the process of writing the book. And so this book comes out on Tuesday, November 14th. I'm super excited about it. And it is a true workbook. So it's full-size workbook pages, the whole thing. Okay. Um, very excited about it. This one, my co-author is my business partner, Amanda Painter. And she's co-authoring the entire series with me. She also co-authored our HR series, which is the Team Solution series, a book okay. series for HR managers. Okay. So. And your business is The Joy of Pursuit? That's correct. Yes, okay. we believe that there should be joy in the things that we pursue. And so we try to bring that for our clients by simplifying the processes for them. Okay, super. So is this a membership kind of thing that people would join and remain members? Or is this just contacting you to get services? Both. So the Author Business Network is the membership where they could subscribe and become members. And then if they just want one-off services. So if somebody wanted a book cover or maybe they just wanted a book consultation, they could purchase that off our website, thejoypursuit.com. 
they could go there and look at our, our shop and purchase things individually. We also have several tools and from all the way from $7 all the way up to getting a new website, if that's what you need. So we work with authors to cover the full scope of their business. That's something that we want to build out. Not every author needs a full business around their book, but if that's something that they want to build out, we work with them on that. So we a la carte it, as I'd like to say, because not everybody, we don't like to put people in a box. So not every author is going to come to us and need a website or a full marketing plan and because they're maybe writing a legacy book for their family or they're writing a specific book for a specific reason. So we like to customize all the, the things that we offer other than the membership. That's a great idea because so many people have this idea. They want to tell their life story so that their grandchildren and great-grandchildren and the people they've never even met and aren't likely to meet will be able to understand who they are and what they thought about and what motivated them. And so you can help them develop that book without turning it into a business. A lot of these consultants who help people, writers, especially new writers, want you to develop an entire business platform behind it and go on speaking tours and things like that. And you're saying you're not going to do that if they don't want it. If they want it, you're going to do it. But if they don't, they just want to get the book done. Let me help you do it. And here's the funny thing is sometimes they think they want it, but they don't realize what's all entailed in it. I worked with an author one time and after a couple of sessions with her, I could tell she didn't want to be a coach. She just didn't want to. But she had come from this training of you become an author and a speaker and a coach. And so she, I said, I have a feeling based on the lifestyle that you've given me, the things that you want to do every day, that your husband's retired and the, the plan that you have for your life, you don't want to be tied down to a coaching schedule. And she said, tears in her eyes. She said, you're right. I don't. Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me permission to not do that. And it was such a relief for her. But I think sometimes they get sucked into this idea that's what they have to do. And so we really look at that full scope of, are you a speaker? Do you want to be on camera? Do you want to go in person? How do you get these events? Where do you get them? All of those different things. Because it's not for everybody. Speaking on camera is not for everybody. I don't actually enjoy it too much, but I do it because I have a message that I feel I need to put forth. But yeah, really helping people understand their grace-given gifts and how to use those is what we focus on. I love it. Now, I know you're relatively new to the 50s within a couple of months, but do you have any advice for people who are over 50 on identifying their passions or pursuing a purpose for their life? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Pursuing, I would say pursuing their passions because to me, your purpose in life is to worship God forever. It's God tells us that's our purpose is to worship him when he created us for him. So our passions is what, how he created us and how we're actually unique, uniquely made. And so discovering those, I would say to, and, and he really brought it such full circle in this book for me, which is so funny that it happened on my 50th birthday because all the little things I used to love to do, dance and wear tutus and you know, as a little girl, all of those things he just brought so circle. It, it's just crazy. And so I would say inventory your life and look for the moments that spark joy for you. What were they? And what were the moments that you felt most alive? And I know in the past when I had been, when I was searching for my worth and my purpose in this book, I looked up a lot of different books and people would say, what did you always want to be as a little girl? And what did you, and that never helped me. And I always feel like that's so not going to happen for me. I'm not going to ever be a ballerina. I have old knees. That's never going to happen for me. And it doesn't have to happen the way we thought it was going to happen. The proof God brought full circle. I, I can dance. It's just not the same way. And so 
I would say, look at those ideas and then look at, take a reality check and say, okay, what am I really capable of doing now in this 50 year old body that I can maybe pursue that? And it's not as far off as you think. I never like to use age as a limitation. I think um, everyone's different. Everybody's body's different. And you just have to apply yourself to the things that um, God's calling you to do. And you'll be surprised at what he would carry you through. So I would look for those moments that are joy and then ask yourself, okay, what can I do now? And maybe it would look different. And then you pray about it and see where God leads. I love that. When you started your writing career, you probably did some things that you would do differently if you started over. What are some of those things that you would do differently? That's a good question. Okay. The first thing I would have was I would have believed my friend who said I could self-publish professionally and didn't need a vanity press. I would have believed her. I, the industry was so new to me. Mm. I didn't understand that concept. And it was just such a foreign idea to me. So self-publishing professionally, I think, is a, a great option for many people. And they don't need to pay overpriced vanity presses or hybrid publishers and all these things if they're willing to put in the work and learn the process. Now, don't get me wrong. Those, all of the publishing options out serve a purpose. And that's my blog post for tomorrow talking about traditional publishers and, and the, the purposes. So they all serve a purpose and they have their great vanity presses out there. There's great hybrid publishing out there, but it's become so popular that some of the things are getting lost in these people's intentions. And so I've just, I've helped several authors have to rebound back from some of that. And so I would just say, be cautious and learn for yourself as an author, what you really want to put out into the marketplace. And the obvious mistake that I made, and I wish I had one of them here with me, was my first book, this book. The Butter Tubs. Originally, the words that were in white here. Yeah, the Save the Butter Tubs. It was in, the white words were in red, and it didn't show up well against the muddy, the blue background. It looked very muddy. And so it seems like a very, of course, but when you're looking at it on a computer screen, it looks great because the back, it was backlit and it looked great with the red and the and so I would now I coach all my authors to print off, which here's my printed, <laughs> here's my pictures of this, my last one, right? To print off your cover in a picture. And if you're going to do a glossy cover, print it off glossy. If you're going to do a matte cover, print it off in matte. But actually printing a picture from a photo place, not off your computer, but on photo paper, so you can get a really good idea of what it's going to look like, what the contrast is going to look like. That would have saved me a lot of money, Greg. So that's a very practical <laughs> tip that I'll give. Uh, it would have saved me a lot of money. I had ordered marketing materials with the wrong cover, a large order of books in the wrong cover, and, and then I had to go back and make all those changes later. So it would have saved me a lot of money if I would have not ahead of time. That is an outstanding idea. I never would have thought to do that on my own. Because you're right. You look at a cover on the on your computer screen and it looks beautiful and you could just mm -hmm. imagine it being on a bookshelf and things like that. And then when it comes out, it's uh, not at all what I really envisioned it to do. So I'd like to just take the JPEG or whatever it is up to your local Walmart or whatever it is, wherever there's a photo center and have it printed off. That's a wonderful idea. Absolutely. What's the difference between a vanity press and a hybrid? Sure. Uh, a vanity press lends you their publishing name, which is called an imprint. So that's the what's going to end up on the back of your book. So for my personal books, it's called a worthy press. For my reference books that I co-author, 
We use um, Joy of Pursuit Publishing. That's just the publisher's name that ends up on the book. So the major traditional publishers usually have like Simon & Schuster. They have multiple imprints under their name. So a, a vanity press is just lending you their name. They're usually not taking any royalties from you and they're usually not paying you any advance. You're usually paying them and then they're basically lending their name. Now, they may give you other resources along the way. They may give you some training or they may provide editing, whatever's in their package, but ultimately they're giving you their name. Now, a, a hybrid publisher usually does the same thing, but they're, they do take some portion of the royalties. They you will do a royalty split with you on some level. And so they're usually publishing your book it, through their distribution models so that they can control the money side of it, and then they're sending you a check. A little bit different model. And then obviously traditional publishers, they are paying you a royalty or excuse me, an advancement. And then there's some kind of royalty contract with them. Um, but they're taking care of all the costs that are involved and you're paying for nothing up front. That's ultimately the three models. I'm actually I'm doing a series of blog posts. The first one will land tomorrow through the end of the year discussing that very thing, the different publishing models, the cost involved because I think that's a lot of people are like, I don't even know how much a royalty is. What is a royalty? And basically a royalty is your profit, right? That you're making off of your book um, and how it comes to you. And just discussing that in real numbers so people can see what that looks like. So yeah, they can follow along on the blog, thejoypursuit.com under the author blog for those blogs coming up. So a vanity press, a hybrid press, a traditional publisher, and also fully self-published where you do everything by yourself and figure it out on your own, which I discourage people from doing because it is so complicated and hard to figure out what you're doing right. You're doing things over and over again in order to get it right to the standards of the companies that will actually print and sell the books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually, I think there's six altogether I I map out. So the vanity press, the hybrid press, traditional self. We talk about publishing coaching, which is what I do. And then we also talk about local printer. So that's always an option. Some people are like, why would I go to my local printer? If you just want to print off a manuscript to leave for your family, you can certainly take that option. So we don't want to leave them out. That's an option for people. They don't need to go to some big press and go through all the the hoopla, right? They can just go down to their local printer, print it off and give their family some gifts. And there's other avenues out there that other companies have sprung up over the years that will help people do that as well. You print off a legacy piece type of thing. So certainly an option, but I'm a fan of what I do, obviously, (laughs) publishing, coaching, because I think it's important for people to, they don't know what they don't know. And so being able to coach them through their next steps is really important. How can people connect with you if they would like to tap into your services or even ask you a question? Certainly. Um, They can follow us on social media. The most active, we're on TikTok, believe it or not. We're trying it out over there. I know it's not the over 50 crowd, but we're trying it out over there. And on all our platforms, we're, we're Joy Pursuit. So they can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Of course, on our website, it's thejoyofpursuit.com. They can reach out to us there as well. They can find all of our services, read more about the Author Business Network and upcoming events and workshops that we, we have. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing your story today, Brenda. I really appreciate it. And I know that this is a kind of thing that seasoned citizens have wanted to do. Their families have told them, you need to write a book. Don't let your stories die or go to the grave. Mm. You've got to preserve them. Just 
the ge the generation that we're in, you're a youngin in the 50 over 50 group, but the generation that we're in has a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, yeah. a lot of experience. And that needs yeah. to be captured because it's vanishing quickly. So I'm it glad is. that you guys provide that kind of service. It, thank you. Thank you for having me. And in my first book, I shared that I was able to capture my grandmother's stories and it's actually her writing. So I share it in her, it's in parentheses when it's her writing. I share her pictures and all of that. And as the recipient of that information, it is so valuable to have. She would have been a hundred years old yesterday. And just thinking about all that she lived through in her lifetime, all the stories that she shared that would have been lost had we not you know, done this project. She wasn't very open about her religion prior to this project. She never really talked about her past much with me. And so learning so much through the process with her was just invaluable. So I encourage people, if, if you don't feel like you can do it alone, grab a family member and say, hey, I want to leave this legacy for, for the family. And would you help me work on this project together? Show me how to use Google Docs. Show me how to, you know, join this network with me and show me what to do. Uh, we encourage that. We love when um, families come come together and work together. It, it really does make a difference. I'm so glad that I have those legacies. And for her, she was part of the World Heritage Site in San Antonio. The Alamo is one of the five missions. My grandmother went to school at one of the other five missions called Mission Espada. And that history is being lost. And so the fact that I have the history to go with all the pictures that she left, we now understand the pictures. It's so valuable just to history and culture. So never know what you're going to leave behind when you take the time to share your stories. So I agree. Thank well, you so much for having me to share our platform. I actually met Brenda Hare at a writer's conference in 2017 when I was publishing my first book. She subsequently served as president of that company until the owner wanted to take it in a different direction. That opened the door for Brenda to start her own company to help other writers package their thoughts into books and platforms of their own. Brenda just turned 50 this year, but she is already flourishing by doing what she does best, which is sharing stories and helping people to overcome their fear of rejection, move out of their comfort zone, and walk into their legacy. Her first book, Save the Butter Tubs, Discover Your Worth in a Disposable World, walks readers through a process to trash the lies they've been told and instead to treasure the truths God put on their hearts. Brenda wants people to live lives that are fully alive. In fact, she's following her own advice. After falling in love with prophetic dance, she wrote a book called A Moved Soul to introduce people to a way in which they can encounter God by holding tightly to what he calls them to do. Today, Brenda isn't just sharing her stories. She's writing in multiple genres, including Christian nonfiction, reference books for authors, as well as her business reference books in the area of human resources. She's also venturing into fiction writing. With an ever-growing list of 80 book ideas, it's unlikely Brenda will run out of material to write about anytime soon. The biggest lesson Brenda learned through the process of developing her own company was submission. She had to submit herself to a discipline of prioritizing her time and actually sit down at a keyboard to get words out of her mind and onto her keyboard where they could be transformed into a book. It also required her to submit to God's will. Brenda wanted to get a safe job as a professor of communication because it offered good pay, stable hours, and fringe benefits like a retirement plan. When she became sick with Lyme disease, became apparent to her that God was serious about Brenda needing to venture out on her own as a writer. Brenda also realized that once she was given an assignment from God, 
she did not need a backup plan. Because it was God's plan for her life, and she was obedient in going in that direction, Brenda has enjoyed a successful career in her 50s that leaves her fulfilled. I think that's a lesson all of us can apply to our lives. If you have a book idea but don't know how to start or need plan for making it happen, Brenda wrote two books that can help you get started in the right direction. They are, I've been told I should write a book, Answers to Clarify an Author's Vision, as well as her newly released workbook, The Book Writing Process, How to Write a Nonfiction Book That Sells. All of her books are available on Amazon and at other bookstores. Brenda offers coaching services and other tools at her website, which can be found at www.thejoyofpursuit.com. You can also find her on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. I'll have another inspirational interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.